So not only was it, or not only is it conference season, uh-huh. it also it's also awards season. True, true. <laughs> Everybody and their brother is. All of the different AIAs across the country are having yeah. their seasons. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, it's just, uh, it's just kind of interesting how it either shows the state of the profession or masks the state of the profession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Oh, okay. So, so go on. What do you mean? Uh, well, I, I can read into that for sure, but I want to hear what your, <laughs> your, your thoughts are. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I mean, like you know, everybody's very high on, oh my gosh, you know, we're, we're winning all of these great awards and, and it's just fantastic. All of these different projects that are going on in the world of architecture. Mm-hmm. And those are great. However, I mean, is that really the state of the profession at this point in time entering into Q4 of 2020? I mean, because right now from everything that we hear from everybody is that there's layoffs and slowdowns and everything else. And and don't get me wrong, I, I love the fact that these are moments of joy in our <laughs> yeah. profession. Why are you trying to take that away, man? And uh, I don't want to take it away. Uh-huh. I mean, it is, they are moments of joy in our profession, and I'm glad of it. Yeah. And I would, I hope that we use these as catalysts to kind of hold steady yeah. and bounce back. It is kind yeah. of a double-edged sword, right? Because it, it I, I, I agree totally with what you're saying. There's this, there's a certain aspect to awards where it's, it's just kind of self-congratulatory inside the echo chamber of other architects it's not a really big audience right it's it's a pretty narrow audience focused on what we already do so so while on one hand it is it is some exposure and recognition from other professionals in the field which is a a huge positive it is also very limited to that and it is also i think like what you're saying it kind of turning a blind eye to what's actually going on (laughs) in the world because it still resembles how things, like status quo, this is normal, this is how we do things. It's not necessarily recognizing the state that we're in. So, yeah, I feel, I feel kind of two-sided about it as well. So with that, because that's a good way to put it, should we be responsible for, you know, basically kind of taking a somber note and, and showing well, you know, this is just the state of things are, or should we use these as like, yes, we understand the state of the way things are, but we're trying to keep a positive note. We, I mean, there are so many people down in this profession right now. There's so many people who are depressed at the future. And for a short little moment in time, there's a glimmer of hope that you know, at least what people are doing in this profession are being recognized at least by the body of the profession as something good in an otherwise very very trying time yeah i i kind of do like that part about it which is we're talking about architecture like this is a great way to talk about architecture and how it is making a difference hopefully that's what things are getting recognized for these projects Um, and that is something that should be celebrated and i think that again like this is one of the ways in which the the exposure of the project getting outside of its normal environment is a, is a good thing. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of think that it is a, a positive and I think it is a way for people to come together around our chosen profession to celebrate the good that's happening in it. As long as that process is, is kind of vetted and good, then yeah, yeah, I think that it is a good thing. I, I wish that these awards bodies would, 
or I guess professional bodies who are giving the awards would do more. And all I, all I can say is really my experience because I've attended a few of these virtual award ceremonies, right? Oh, um, right. We kind of briefly attended one the other night and it was, it's like a slideshow with music and it's, it's like, okay, this is the next part of the agenda. We will cover it in five minutes and then we'll move on to the next part of the agenda. And there's not really a, like a discourse about architecture. There's not really a right, real right. celebration about architecture. It's kind of like, and now we will announce the awards and good night. And I think like there's so much more opportunity than that to really engage with people or really try to engage with people at least put it out there and try to engage so that you can create more dialogue and conversation around architecture and less, less be about like presenting the winners. Right. That's all. I think that those are right now, unfortunately, the missed opportunities that I feel like, you know, as, as you said, and, and even, you know, as you said in the last episode about the discourse that is happening in the convention series of things that are going on that we're talking about how architecture has a role in the the greater good of the communities and things like that and i think that the opportunity to showcase projects like that during the awards ceremonies should be probably you know forefront it's like how is architecture bridging a gap in the community that is sorely needed mm-hmm and, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we can engage locally, talk about how we're impacting locally, yeah. how our, you know, just like you talked about with some of the lectures that you had attended, I mean, they were talking about everything. And these are, you know, global architects talking about how they are engaging in their particular firm in a local fashion. And right now, I mean, we do need to somewhat step back from our kind of global face, global foot forward, we need to step back and say, okay, how are we taking care of our local community? I mean, we live in, let's just say, Baltimore, Maryland. How is how is Air St. Gross, you know, taking care of Baltimore, Maryland and showcasing things like that? Because the great thing about, you know, between the recording that we did last week and in this one, you know, we had our, uh, our one firm meeting, which, mm-hmm. you know, is, is basically it pulls together our, our Baltimore office, our DC office and our Arizona office. And, you know, we talk about the state of what's going on in our profession, as well as the state of what's going on in our firm. But one of the things that they did do is talked about the trying times. They, they laid it out and whether it was, you know, depressing to some or encouraging to others, they laid out, you know, what is going on. But they followed it up. And this is what I love about the leadership is they followed it up with what are the positive things that we as the firm are doing to make a difference in these trying times. Mm -hmm. I think what's really awesome about the opportunities, but unfortunately something that was missed in these design awards are what is let's rethink them. I mean, we are going to be virtual. You know, there's going to be actually be in and talk about, you know, you and I attending the AIA San Diego's design awards. And there was some absolutely beautiful work mm-hmm. that was going on there. One of the things that I would have loved to have learned about, especially being somebody from the East Coast and it felt almost like an intruder into the ceremony, was I, I would have loved to have learned how these local projects are really impacting the, the area. I mean, would have loved to have learned about community-based projects. I would have loved to have learned about what are people doing for the homeless shelters or community-based health centers and all these other things that we were talking about on last time. I mean, what are firms, what are the opportunities that other firms are taking advantage of in these trying times 
to better and enrich their community. Yeah. So beyond the surface of the of the image. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Because I mean they were beautiful images, beautiful right. projects. Very, yeah, very attractive. <laughs> yes. But I want to know what they mean. What yeah. were they? Yeah. I mean, we just or we recently won a couple of different design awards. And one of them was, you know, an environmental center where we won the grand prize or whatever, however it's nice. really called. Good job. At the AIA Baltimore. And it was knowing what the mission of this environmental center is, both on education and research. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the things that I like to learn about of like, you know, okay, it is a pretty building, but is a pretty building. Why? Yeah. You know, right. it is not just, ooh, you know, you look really nice. It's let's talk about your substance. substance What's your major? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it can't be all style, no substance, for sure. Exactly. To take a line from the the great British baking show, which is kind of saving us right now in mental health. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I I, I, go in. Yeah, (laughs) that and the Mandalorian. Thank you, Disney, for putting Ah, something out at least that entertains us. The Great British Baking Show and the Mandalorian are because it's uh, it came out yesterday on the Mandalorian Mm. and and one episode per week, which I think is the right thing to do right now. It kind of gets people through. No, it doesn't. It's it's the right choice. Come on. It, if you if they let everybody binge, it would just be over, and then we would be on to the next like doom scroll. So so thank yeah, you for drawing true. this out. That's true. Um, I I wanted to talk a little bit about the the conference that I did attend and speak at the other day with the advancing computational building design, which is a mouthful, but it was a fantastic conference, and it was all virtual. It was supposed to be in Denver, and it was supposed to be you know months and months ago, and it got pushed out a couple times, and eventually went. Totally virtual. But I just wanted to congratulate the hand that I guess it's the Hanson Wade team who put on the conference because it was really well done. And, you know, this is, I think, the first virtual conference that I've attended this year. Uh, I'm still kind of due because we talked about last time it is conference season. Mm-hmm. There are some more coming up here in November that I'll be attending and kind of weighing against this one as kind of the the litmus test. But a couple things that they did that I think were really well done, and I want to say it here because if other people are running events virtually, you could probably take some of these ideas for your playbook because I thought they were pretty well done, which was that, you know, obviously there was the presentations and all of the speakers did a really good job of staying on time, which was fantastic. I will say that, you know, people who are doing these presentations are not getting interrupted. They're presenting from their hardware, so they know it really well. So there's probably some benefits there to staying on time, right? Obviously, there's internet connection issues, and they had to swap one speaker for another because of Hurricane Zeta that went went through, and somebody uh-huh. lost power, and they 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 were able to get back on later, which is fantastic, and they didn't miss out and miss the opportunity to give their presentation. But I'll say that the two real successful standout pieces of this were number one, breakfast and coffee networking conversational, just everybody jump in. Early in the morning, it started very early here on the West Coast, so it was you know normal hours over there where you are on the East Coast, yeah. and uh, it it was that was the best time to just get to know people and just talk shop and That's in a, in like a group setting that was not people you're used to seeing. It was all new people, in fact, for me. It was people, some people that I was aware of or, or knew of but had never talked to, and others it was people I was meeting for the first time, and I thought that was a great thing the first day. I was kind of forced into that because I was speaking early and we had to check in anyway early and and kind of be in the green room behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And it was so good that I did it the second day. I was like, yeah, I'm going to participate in that. So 
the other really cool thing that I thought they did was they between the sessions they had just the speed networking sessions, kind of like speed dating sessions. And so nice. they the whatever platform they were using enabled this to happen, I think. And it was basically like timed interactions and kind of random uh, pairings of people to meet and greet and talk shop and then you move on. And if you were really hitting it off with somebody and it cut you off, like you could still connect with them later through another kind of avenue on the website. So it was really cool. I think that they did That's a cool. they did a really good job and and it kind of enabled people to do the networking that naturally occurs at conferences that would be really hard to do because you can't bump into somebody in a hallway now, right? So um I would just encourage if others are participating in events or, you know, kind of look for ways people are kind of trying to design interactions to happen. But also, if you're running events, really think about how you can engage people, because those are, I think, all key elements to having a successful, memorable event that's not just one-way, presentation-driven, um, mm -hmm. pre presenter to audience. Well, that sounds cool. It was really so, cool. So, I, I mean, I, I know that you had texted me a couple of times while we were, while you were actually at the event, talking mm -hmm. about some of uh, you know people at my firm actually yep. presenting and attending and things like that. Right. How How is the... <laughs> You know, how were the speakers? I mean, like the information itself, obviously you said it's a mouthful, but I mean, it, it is definitely the, the route that a lot of, you know, design firms are going. Right. You know, it's just, what is the elevator speech on this particular conference? Because I'm just curious about like, maybe not everybody knows what, you know, computational design or this particular conference was about. Yeah, so this is a multidisciplinary conference. It's not just architects. So I always kind of couched my talk that I gave, which was really around kind of gaining buy-in from either leadership or your your office community for use of tools, scripting, things like that to kind of enable design to either do more, analyze it, back your ideas up with data, et cetera, et cetera, right? So these are that's basically what I do, right? I, my job is to right. enable my team by communicating with the various groups of people to get kind of that buy-in. That's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. So it was really me kind of sharing our experiences, but it was also engineers sharing their experiences. It was also, you know, it's all of the consultants that we work with. It's structural, mechanical. It's, it's all of them kind of sharing how they're doing it at their firm, all the way from, you know, Arup and NBBJ and HOK and Perkins and Will and, you know, the very large firms all the right. way down to whoever, whoever. So, so you see lots of different examples. And so some of them, like, like my talk were very much like, how do you convince so-and-so to do this and that? Right. Um, and then there was other ones where it's very much like, here's how we achieved the, this on this project. So it was very specific in that case. And it was, it was great because it it was the whole gamut of of exposure to people who are interested in what computational design is and what the tools can enable our firms to do to accomplish from how do you think about it culturally which was kind of my angle right mm -hmm. all the way down to nuts and bolts how do you do that how do you make this thing work um so i think that it was there was lots of different depending on where you're at you might be more interested in some of those topics than others, but I think there was something for everyone. So I don't know if that answers your question. It, there's well, probably I mean, other ways were, I could tackle that. Well, you were you were 
getting, you know, it, you got there. I mean, I would have probably had already like gotten off my stop on the elevator before you got to it, but sure. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I mean, because the thing about it is, is that we hear more and more, you know, buzzwords of computational design and things like that, but to the architects and, you know, these are kind of like you know, mid-level career or, you know, kind of, let's just call them senior level career people who don't really know that, that you're actually trying to convince them that computational design is right for the firm for, you know, not only the progress of the firm productivity, you know, in, you know, it helps out with the profitability and, you know, and all of these things, how are you pitching to them that computational design is something that the firm should be investing in? There's definitely that part of it. And, and I, and I'm not trying to say that, uh, I, I want to just couch that statement and say, it's, it's not for everyone. There are many compelling reasons in which it should be like you don't want to be last to this party either. Right. right? right. And many clients are demanding it. In fact, you know, depending on how sophisticated they are, they, they could demand it. And, and so you could be totally left out of that conversation or being able to even be eligible for a project if you don't know what you're doing in this case which we see all the time. We see that for various reasons. This is just another reason for that now. But also, I think the conversation kind of comes back to like, where is this profession going versus where it's been? And one of my big points in my talk was, remember your audience, right? Remember how they came up through architecture. One of my, my actually, my very last point was, was something kind of silly that I don't, I haven't seen anybody else do, but, but I've done it, which is like, you, you've designed this algorithm that produces this beautiful geometry print it out, 3D print it out and give it to somebody to hold it because that's the language they speak and mm. they will make a connection like, oh, that's what you're talking about. And and that's like they want to see stuff like that. They, they're the ones who walk around your office and pick up models and look at them, you know, turn them around and look through the windows because that's how they were trained to do it. The other thing that I pointed out was like, think of your scripts as trace paper. Like they are the modern version of trace paper. Are you going to throw them away? Probably, right? When the project's over. They don't have to live forever. They don't have to be applicable to every project. Think of them as the modern version of trace paper. And I think I saw a lot of people nodding their head like, oh, that's a good way to present it and talk about it because I think a lot of times we think of this kind of investment in scripting to kind of do a proof of concept. And that's got to show value for how many year X number of years now? No, like it doesn't. Like they're so easy to put. It's, do you put that kind of requirement on what people put on piece of trace? No, you don't, right? It's the same thing. So there's ways to kind of draw these analogies to how people grew up in this who are now leading our firms so that they understand better what's actually going on. So I'd said, you know, you know, you have to convince a you know firm owner or leadership or whatever about the benefits and the values of that and a lot of times they want to hear it kind of in the nuts and bolts of like okay how is this going to improve us x y or z mm -hmm. and i was kind of you know putting it that way as you actually that's actually where i was going what you just said was exactly what i was hoping to hear is that it's not just productivity and profitability and all of these other things of streamlining and making some of these more adventurous designs feasible and actual, you know, printing it out and saying, yes, we can actually do this. I mean, a lot of times people limit themselves on what they've always known is the limitations of materials. And, and so being able to like show them, quantify and prove to them that you know, this material can do a lot more or, you know, maybe this material added with that material can actually do something better that you get, 
you know, some amazing, and I, I think about that blinking on the actual project name, but it was by Lake Flato and it was a park shelter and it's made out of uh, concrete. Oh, yeah. yeah. The thin shell concrete. Yeah. Yeah. The thin shell concrete. It's and, kind of a, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So kind of a, like a, a flower looking. Yeah. And how many people would have been able to think about, I mean, they may have been able to sketch something like that, but then as you said, it would have probably just been crumbled up and tossed away or, you know, pinned up on your, on your boards. Like, Oh, I really would have loved to have done this project. But then to be able to like go through the effort of quantifying that you actually can do that project made that project happen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even from like a structural analysis standpoint, right, the thinness right. of the shell, where does the rebar need to go? How are we going to do those gaps in between the petals so that they don't even touch right. uh, structurally? There's all, so many kind of anal- yeah, analytical ty- kind of a angle you could take on that. But then also, like you're probably not going to make that again. And I, I wonder how many variations of that script they went through to come up with that final design that are never going to see the light of day again. And so to me, it, it is very much analogous to the process that we grew up with, which was like, how many rolls of trace are you going to go through on this project? Now it's the digital version of that, except it's with scripting or it's with, it could be with mm-hmm. custom coding. It can be with lots and lots of digital study models, right? And, and they're not, right. Right. don't, treat them as precious and and really kind of getting leadership to to understand that it doesn't need to be considered precious. Now, now there are going to be some tools that you develop that are going to live have tons of room for growth. They're going to have legs there under you them go. and you're yes. going to be able to apply something to every project because it was a repeatable thing that you automated, but in many cases mm-hmm. you're you're not and that's okay. You're going to have lots of different kinds of examples like that. As you can tell, you know, from you know, me stumbling around that I, I don't know nearly. I mean, I know the buzzwords. I've heard, you know, things <laughs> here and there throughout the office, but I don't know squat about this. And that's why I'm just trying to like pull more and more out of you just so I can kind of understand because I see the opportunities. I see the things and I, you know, I walk past, you know, people's desks in our office and I see what they're doing. And obviously their, their knowledge is beyond mine when it comes to these kind of like scripts that they're running to do all of this stuff. But it's now the let's marry up my knowledge, my understanding of the way things are currently now and your knowledge of the way things can be. And let's see where we can take it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you are not walking by people's desks right now. Well, no, I am not. Well, if, if you want to learn more about this kind of stuff, definitely listen to my other show. <clears throat> we talk about this oh, kind right. of stuff all the time. That's a great place to kind of get exposure to these ideas and even the people who are behind the scenes making these amazing tools. So I, if you if you just search for TRXL Troxel in your podcast player, or if you go over to Gable Media, you can look at the shows. That's G-A-B-L Media without the E at the end of Gable. And so GableMedia.com, you, you'll see Arca Speak there as well. And that's where you can listen to my other show, where we really do deep dives into people who make these tools or who are the kind of foundational thinkers in that space of our profession. So check it out. Oh, and I will also say, because it's been award season, and that's where we started this conversation, the last project that I worked on has been winning some awards. I'm pretty pretty excited. It, it's bringing me back to architecture. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Just found out that uh, my first project at Air St. Gross or won a design award in uh, St. Louis. So awesome. I am happy as well. See, coast to coast, we're... we're, we're pulling it together here, keeping this profession afloat. 
one project. <laughs> like butter in toast.